Hello, everybody. It is Michael, and I'm back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. First, I'd like to uh, show my gratefulness. I really appreciate the support you guys have given on the podcast. Please keep downloading it, keep sharing it, keep running these numbers up. I'm working on getting the podcast on a bunch of different apps. I got it on Apple Podcast. If you listen on there, make sure to give it a five star. I'm trying to get it on iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, and a bunch of more apps. So if you use any of those apps, it'll be coming within the next few weeks. But yeah, make sure to leave a five-star on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Spotify, make sure to download. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to leave a like. And I also need to let you know, uh, I'm usually doing these podcasts on Wednesday and Sunday, but I'm going to be gone with my family. So... Uh, the next podcast will not be on Sunday, it will be on next Wednesday, and I'll make sure to bring you guys a huge episode, I'll try to get like a two hour episode to make up for that, so I'm sorry for that, but uh, I'm going to be gone, so I will uh, bring another episode next Wednesday instead of Sunday. Alright, now moving on to the topics for today, we're going to be just talking about some takeaways for every team in the bubble and then bringing you six scouting reports. I'm going to be talking about Tyrese Maxey, Obi Toppin, uh, Theo Maladon, Vernon Carey, Jalen Smith, and Josh Green. Uh, first, let's start with the Bucks. So my takeaways for the Bucks: Giannis and Middleton haven't skipped a beat. Uh, Middleton looked pretty bad against the Celtics, but other than that, he's continued to be super efficient. Brooke Lopez, his defense is still elite. Dante DiVincenzo has looked really good. But some of the bad things is uh, the Rockets really exposed their lack of shot creation at the end of the game. It was, a, it was a pretty close game throughout, but with the Rockets having so many shot creators and so many wings that can do so many different things, it really exposed the Bucks because while Chris Middleton is a decent shot creator, he's not a great shot creator. And then obviously Giannis... Giannis is a phenomenal player, but shot creating just isn't one of his strong suits. And if you were watching that game, you saw James Harden locked Giannis up. Giannis was really struggling at the end of the game. He got the ball stripped from him multiple times. Uh, He just wasn't very good. James Harden was uh, playing great defense in the post. Giannis just couldn't do anything. Chris Middleton was really missing his shots, even though he was great in that game. He was super efficient. But that's my biggest worry about the Bucks, and that's why I don't really believe in them. It's just that lack of shot creation is huge. Because if you look at every finals team in history, they always had that one guy who could just hit a really tough shot. So you look at uh, last year, the Warriors, you obviously got Curry. Uh, Clay can hit a tough shot sometimes. Kevin Durant. Uh, You look at the Raptors, Kawhi, Kyle Lowry even can hit a tough shot, Fred Van Vliet. But they really don't have that on the Bucs, and that's my biggest weakness for them. Even though they're so good, it's just, I just don't believe in them. Because every team, if you just look back in history, every single team has had that guy down the stretch that can hit a big shot and hit a contested mid-range shot when it matters. And even though I think being clutch and... Uh, things like that and the connotation of that is a little bit overrated it is definitely important to have a closer and they really don't have that no matter how good their team is Eric Bledsoe is a playoff disappearer I've said this in every single episode Uh, Chris Middleton is an average to above average shot creator at best even though he's very good Giannis is not a good shot creator 
And if you're relying on guys at the end of the game, even if I like these guys, I like Chris Middleton, I like Dante DiVincenzo a lot. If you're relying on them to hit big shots, I don't believe you can win a championship. And I don't even think they're going to make the championship. I think a team like the Celtics, who have four shot creators, they have Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Gordon Hayward, who can all hit tough shots and all have that ability to hit a tough three or a tough mid-range, a step-back shot. Or a team like the Raptors, who have Pascal Siakam, who has shown a really improved ability to do that. Or guys like Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet. I just don't believe in this Bucks team to make the finals. And they just haven't impressed me at all during the bubble. They looked all right against the Celtics, I'd say, but that game was just a bad game for both teams. They were exposed by the uh, Rockets, even though the small ball where the Bucks out-rebounded them a ton and outscored them a ton in the paint, them stretching them out uh, from the three-point line, and then uh, their shot creation with guys like Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and then their ability to drive and kick, which the Bucks can do, but it's not as elite as the Rockets where they have that true five-out ability where everybody on the floor can shoot no matter what so i just don't believe in this team they also lost to the nets and that may sound terrible at face value when you think about uh silver not playing and joe harris not playing jared allen not playing and then obviously the players who haven't uh shown up for all for all of this like deandre jordan uh spencer dinwiddie and obviously Kyrie and kd but Giannis and Middleton only played 15 minutes. It seemed like that was more of a game to just try and see some of the guys they uh, may need to rely on in the playoffs later down deep in their bench. I don't even think Brooke Lopez was playing. I think Robin Lopez was starting. So I wouldn't take too much away from that game, even though on face value it looks really bad. But I'm not a believer in the Bucks, to be totally honest. Now moving on to a team that I may have... I may have... The Raptors going all the way, not winning the championship, but going to the championship. I've been so impressed by what I've seen from the Raptors in the bubble. Uh, let me see their record in the bubble. They are, yeah, they're 2-0. They're playing, I think they're playing the Magic today. So that should be another easy win. The defense has been so incredible. I've been so impressed with the defensive schemes. Nick Nurse is by far my coach of the year. I don't think it should even be close. I know the coaches voted on it, and Billy Donovan and uh, Mike Boonholzer were tied. And even though Mike Boonholzer has led the Bucks to another great re- record, I don't honestly think he's an amazing coach. I think he's a, d- a good coach, but not nearly as good as Nick Nurse. And I think we saw that last playoffs where the Bucks' offense was incredibly simple, and Nick Nurse did an amazing job uh, coaching them on defense. And then uh, Billy Donovan even though I was not a fan of him at all in the past, I think he just didn't really fit with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and Paul George. I just don't, even though Russell Westbrook's a great player, I think he's super hard to coach and that was a big challenge for them. But this year his coaching has been super impressive and he's led them to great things and his rotations have been really good. But Nick Nurse is just on a different level to everybody else for me. I think he'd definitely go down as one of the best coaches of all time. The schemes that he has has made the Lakers struggle, made the Heat struggle. Even though they aren't a great offensive team, I was just super impressed by how they uh, coached 
how, how they coached against two amazing teams because the Lakers are the best team in the – well, the second best team in the league record-wise. And then the Heat have been a good team all year. But the defense, the schemes that Nick Nurse implies, the depth they have, their depth is so good. I just love the way they play basketball. They have this, like, next-man-up mentality where no matter what, if a player is struggling, there's always someone next in line who will step up and do something big. Like, Pascal uh, Siakam's his shot has struggled a bit throughout this, and that's not a worry for me because Pascal's been pretty consistent all year, so I think he'll go back to his 24 on good efficiency. But while he struggled, Kyle Lowry has stepped up huge. Fred Van Vliet had a huge game against the Heat where I think he scored 36 points, and he was just incredible that game. OG uh, Ananobi was great against the Lakers, played great defense on LeBron. Guys like Terrence Davis step up. Marcus Gasol's looked pretty good. Serge Ibaka is good. They just have so many good basketball players, and they just play basketball the right way where they have such good ball movement. And all the players on their team are really smart. So I'm super impressed by the Raptors. Uh, I'll be interested to see how they play out the rest of this. Because other than the Magic, I'm pretty sure they have a, a really tough schedule to end the year. And if they can keep playing as well as they are and look as good as they have against that really hard schedule, I may just have them going all the way in the Eastern Conference. So really impressed with what the Raptors are doing. And... Yeah, I just like what I've seen from them. I don't like what I've seen from them as a Celtics fan because they're probably going to be playing in the second round, and that'll be a huge threat. But just as a fan of basketball and just watching good basketball, the Raptors have been really good and really impressive. Now moving on to the Celtics. So Jason Tatum obviously struggled against the Bucks. Uh, he was terrible. He shot what, 2 of 18 and scored 5 points, but he's looked like himself since then, he looked amazing in the Trailblazers game, and he was in foul trouble in the Heat game, that was a big issue for them, they were really struggling with fouling, but in the minutes he did play, because he did have to play limited minutes due to the foul issues, he was really good, he scored 23 points, a pretty good efficiency, I really like what I've seen from Jalen Brown. He's been shooting a ton of shots, and while his percentages don't look good, I just like to see that from a guy who can sometimes uh, just kind of be there, but he's been super aggressive. He's been getting to the free throw line really well. He's been taking his shots. He's been taking his mid-ranges. He's been shooting off the dribble, shooting off the catch. So I really like what I've seen from Jalen Brown. Uh, I also like what I've seen from Gordon Hayward. He's looking like the Gordon Hayward at the beginning of the season. Because he was never really bad this season, but he just kind of fell back as Jason Tatum was ascending and after he had that hand injury. Because if you remember before he had the hand injury against the Spurs, he was on fire. He was averaging like over 20 points per game uh, on crazy efficiency. And he's just a super efficient, smart basketball player. I really like Gordon Hayward, and he's looked so much better this year. Uh, he's... Almost, I'm pretty sure he's almost around the 50-40-90 range, which is really impressive. He, I know he's shooting 40% from three, which is huge for them. He brings a real, he has a really nice mid-range game, and I love what he brings as a passer. He's a super nice facilitator, and he's also a pretty solid defender. Uh, I also like what I've seen from Kemba. He has still played in limited minutes as they're just managing that knee injury, and he'll be out tonight against the Nets because. Uh, they just want to keep that good because that was a big issue and a big scare 
especially after the All-Star break. He played way too much in the All-Star break, and then his knee was really acting up. And I think Kemba has had a pretty underrated season just because of that knee issue has held him back a little bit. And then he's also just been such a good teammate where just looking at the box score, it's not the most impressive season he's had. But just as a teammate and what he's done bringing winning basketball to Boston, I've been super impressed with Kemba. He's been such a good teammate, just allowing Jason Tatum to be him, take as many shots as he wants, allowing Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward to be them. And he's just been taking his threes, getting his shots where he can, and I really like what I've seen from him. I can't wait for him to keep ramping up those minutes, get back to his 30 to 35 minutes game, and as long as he's healthy and that knee isn't an issue in the playoffs, I think he'll be a huge part in the Celtics potentially making a big run. But uh, a big part that could hurt that potential run is their bench, man. Their bench is a huge issue. Marcus Smart has looked very good, but players like Semi Ojale, Grant Williams, and Brad Wanamaker have been big negatives for them. And that was one of the reasons they were up 26 in that Trailblazers game, looking like it was going to be a blowout. And then Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were out for a little bit, and Kemba didn't play much in the second half at all, and that depth really hurt them and almost made them blow a 26-point lead. So it's really scary because Semi Ojale can't shoot. He Well, he can kind of shoot, but he's not that good of a shooter. He's kind of just a big body, and that's really it. Uh, Grant Williams, I like him as a locker room guy a ton. He seems like a, a nice person to have on a team, but... I really didn't like that pick just because his shot has still really struggled and he's all right on defense. He, well, he's pretty good for a rookie, but he's limited in height. And even though he's strong, he just can't make that much of an impact. And during all these games, he just hasn't looked good at all. He got his ankles broken by Tyler Hero. Just that whole game, they looked really bad. But the bench really scares me. Brad Wanamaker had... A good game against the Bucks. He has not looked good since. So that's a big issue for them going into the playoffs. Even though everybody talks about the big uh, the big position, it's more the bench. They really need to nail this draft. Uh, I'm pretty sure they have three or four picks. I know they have two first-rounders. They have their own, and then they have the Grizzlies, which they may not have anymore because I think it's lottery-protected. It's either lottery or top seven protected. I'm not 100% sure on that. But they need to nail it this draft because that depth is a massive issue and is going to be the thing if they fail, most likely will be the thing that will hold them back from really taking that next step because their starting lineup is very good. Daniel Tice is all right. He's a decent starting center. And then obviously they have their big four who can all shot create, can all hit shots and are all very good basketball players. But that bench, man, it's rough to watch. When there's a lineup with, like, Grant Williams and Semi Ojale, it is, it is really rough to watch. And the, when they were playing the Heat, they just looked very lackadaisical. They, they did not look good at all. They were fouling Bam out of Io a ton. He got to the free throw line 18 times. That was ridiculous. And they just did not look good. They were not hitting their shots. They, uh, Marcus Smart fouled out very early. And he was really upset about that. And again, that bench, when players like Marcus Smart foul out, that's going to be a huge issue. Or it's just rough because it's not like the Raptors. That's what scares me the most against 
the Raptors if the Celtics are playing in a series because the Raptors have so much depth where if one of their better players is struggling, it's an issue, but it's not nearly as big of an issue where the Celtics need their top guys to be hitting in all cylinders for them to make a playoff run. All right, now moving on to the team the Celtics faced, the Heat. Uh, Bam showed great aggressiveness against the Celtics. Like I said, he got to the free throw line 18 times, even though some of those calls were a little soft. And going off on a little bit of a different tangent, the refing during the bubble has been very interesting. I feel like they've been super uh, foul-prone a lot more than they were in the season. Like, even though Bam was being aggressive and he was doing a good job taking advantage of mismatches when, like, Marcus Smart was switching on him, I feel like a lot of those uh, calls were kind of soft. And it, on a normal in a normal setting, he probably would have gotten to the free throw line maybe 12 or 10 times, but he got to the line 18 times. So I'll be interested to see in the playoffs if they tighten up on that and call a little less fouls. So that that's an interesting uh, storyline going into the playoffs. And we're, man, we're almost at playoff basketball, but this has still been amazing. The regular season has been great. Uh, back to the Heat, though. Goran Dragic has looked really good. He did sprain his ankle at the very end of the game against the Celtics, but uh, Woj said it was just a slight sprain, so that shouldn't be too much of an issue. But he's looked super good. He's just been getting to his spots, hitting his threes, hitting his mid-ranges. He's a super crafty finisher around the basket, and he's just been really efficient for them. He's looked really good, and I think he's one of their X-Factors if they want to make a playoff run because they definitely have the chance. They uh, they just have so many guys, and it brings them a lot of great versatility, especially with that trade they made for Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder. It gives them a ton of versatility and a ton of depth where they can throw a bunch of different things at teams. They can go small. They can go big, and I really like this Heat team. They have a ton of depth. Uh, Duncan Robinson has been just amazing for them. He's such a good shooter. He's so... You just can't leave that man open because he will hit it. Leaving Duncan Robinson open is a death sentence. Uh, Kendrick Nunn has kind of struggled. And he started off so hot for the Heat, but he's kind of slumped since then. And he'll definitely need to play better, if, uh, especially in the absence of Goran Dragic, because he'll probably miss a game or two just to be safe, even though it's only a slight sprain. And I'm just super impressed with Eric Spolstra. He's done a great job of coaching them. The zone they ran against the Celtics caused them to struggle. And he's able to run uh, those zones, which he runs pretty often, because just of all that versatility he has. With guys like Jay Crowder, uh, Bam Adebayo, uh, Andre Iguodala. All those guys are great defenders. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler wasn't even playing, and they beat a good Celtics team, even though the Celtics did play very bad that game. It was still an impressive win for the Heat. So when they're running lineups with maybe uh, Goran Dragic at the one, uh, Jimmy Butler at the two, Andre Iguodala at the three, uh, what is it? Jay Crowder at the four, and then Bam Adebayo at the five, even though uh, uh, Goran Dragic isn't a great defender, he's a decent defender, and he'll, he's a fine team defender. But then the rest of those four guys, that's lockdown city. And then with Eric Spolstra at the helm, he's one of the best coaches in the league. Uh, he's probably top five for me for sure. And those zones will give a ton of teams pro problems, especially if they're not shooting it well. If they face a team like the 76ers and run out that zone, 
that's going to be deadly with how good uh, their team is. And just the veterans they have, I really like. I love the young guys they have. Duncan Robinson is amazing. And I really like Tyler Hero, even though he kind of struggled at certain points this season. I just love his confidence and his swagger, his shooting ability. I really like Tyler Hero. Uh, Kendrick Nunn has struggled, but when he gets hot, he is a bucket. So I like this uh, Heat team going into the playoffs. They can definitely make some noise, and it'll be interesting to see how they play. So on to the Pacers. Man, TJ Warren. Uh, TJ Warren has always been a very good scorer, and, but the 53-point game was kind of shocking, and I thought he'd slow down a little bit. Uh, he's what's I thought he'd still be maybe around 20 points because that's just kind of what he gets. But he's continued his tear. He's averaging 39.7 points, 5.7 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 2.3 blocks, and two steals on 65% shooting in the bubble so far. He's been incredible. He stepped up on defense. His shot making has been very good. Uh, it's very interesting to just see his arc that he's had in his career because he used to be a terrible three-point shooter, and that was like the biggest weakness to his game offensively. And now he's become a borderline elite three-point shooter, and he's continued to be great for them. I'll be super interested to see if this continues because maybe he's a player who is better in an open gym. And then I expect a lot of players to just shoot better because – it's a lot easier in open gym. And then I read something. I don't remember where I read this. Just talking about, or it was a YouTube video, talking about like the depth perception without there being all the fans behind them because it's just a wall and the wall is pretty close, so it may be easier to shoot. But TJ Warren has been amazing. Bubble TJ Warren looks like a superstar, so it'll be interesting to see if he keeps this up. Obviously, I don't expect him to keep up 40 points per game because – Nobody does that, but if he can be like a 25-point-per-game scorer, this uh, Pacers team definitely will give some teams problems because they're just a very smart team. Nate McMillan has really impressed me with his coaching because he is a little bit limited with Sabonis, who's been their best player the whole year, being out, and Victor Oladipo still easing back in. He has looked pretty good in the games he's played, but they're still easing him in minutes-wise and load-wise. So it's been nice for TJ Warren to be so good because it's given Victor Oladipo an opportunity to not have to be the star right now. But maybe as they go into the playoffs, Victor Oladipo will get back to the 20-point guy. But he's been a solid like 15-17 to point-per-game score in both the games he played. He shot pretty efficient. Uh, I really liked what I've seen from Aaron Holiday. He stepped up really big uh, when Malcolm Brogdon was out. And now that Malcolm Brogdon's back, as long as Aaron Holiday keeps playing good as a backup, as long as TJ Warren keeps playing good, Miles Turner's a good center, Victor Oladipo's good, uh, Justin Holiday's been pretty good for them, guys like Doug McDermott is a good shooter. So I like this Pacers team going into the playoffs. I don't know how much noise they'll make just because they have that lack of top-end talent and they're obviously missing Sabonis. But once, the, whenever this team gets fully healthy, and maybe next year when Sabonis is back, Victor Oladipo is all the way back, they can definitely make some noise. Because when that team is fully healthy, they have just five players who are all above average at their position. And that's something really special when you can have uh, five guys who are like top 12 to 15 players at their position, or even better with guys like Victor Oladipo, who 
when he was fully healthy was an all-star and when he had his best season the most improved year he was an all-nba and all-defensive guy so i really like this pacers team nate mcmillan is a great coach and it'll be interesting to see what they do in the playoffs now moving on to the 76ers joel Embiid is healthy and he's looking scary he's been very dominant he's looked super good in the game he's games he's played uh tobias harris has been really aggressive and it's looked good i really like what i've seen from tobias harris in some of the games he's taken like 30 shots and even if he's not shooting super efficient on them i just love seeing the aggressiveness because sometimes uh tobias can just disappear and you can kind of just be there like you won't even notice him sometimes and for a max player that's really bad so i like what i've seen from him uh josh richardson has been super disappointing he's been just almost a zero like he i really haven't noticed josh richardson at all out there he's been doing almost nothing for them and uh ben simmons has also been really disappointing he's just shown a lack of uh of assertiveness he only scored like eight points one game and he fouled out he's still not shooting al horford is still sucked for them uh shake milton hit a big shot for them against the the Spurs that helped him won, uh, win the game, but the first game he looked really bad. This team just lacks the depth. Fur- Furkan Korkmaz is a decent player off the bench. I really like uh, Matisse Thybul and his potential as a defender and a shooter, but this team just continues to be super confusing and disappointed, disappointing. Like I don't really know how to feel about this team because they lost to the Pacers, but I mean, TJ did drop his 53 but they made zero adjustments. It is time for Brett Brown to be fired. If this team does nothing in the playoffs, even though I do think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid uh, as a duo don't fit great together, they definitely need to fire Brett Brown and hire someone else because Brett Brown, to me, is just not a good coach, and they've kept him around because he was there through the process and all those really tough times where they were terrible. But this is one last chance for Brett Brown, and he hasn't shown me anything in the game that they've played. He doesn't make any adjustments. This team has uh, an amazing point guard, well, even though Ben Simmons has been playing power forward, and then Joel Embiid, and they don't run pick and rolls. This team has almost no shooting. They signed Al Horford to a near max contract when he's going to be 38 at the end of that contract, and they wanted Al Horford a guy who's like 6'11 and slow as all hell to play power forward in the modern NBA. I just don't like this team at all, even though I'm a Celtics fan. And you kind of always hate the Sixers because they're a big competitor to the Celtics. Just the way they constructed this, I feel like they fumbled such a such a great opportunity. If you go back a couple of years, remember the team, Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, uh, Robert Covington, Dario Saric and Joel Embiid while that doesn't have nearly as much talent just raw talent as they do now if you look at that shooting Robert Covington very good shooter Dario Saric good shooter for a power forward and then JJ Redick obviously one of the best shooters in the league and then you look what they have now uh, they've Shake Milton good shooter uh, Josh Richardson kind of an ass shooter he's pretty inconsistent tobias harris he's a solid shooter but he's nothing great ben simmons is a zero as a shooter and joel Embiid is a below average shooter and then al horford is i don't know is an all right shooter he's pretty good for a center but when they were playing him at power forward he's not a good shooter for a power forward 
they don't have much late game shot creation even though uh tobias is a decent shot creator i don't really trust him to be the guy at the end of a game so i really don't like this team i don't like brett brown as a coach i hate this team as a fit i think they fit so bad together and they i just think uh their GM is just not a good GM because he values name over fit so much. And that's a huge issue because at a certain point, sometimes talent can overweigh fit. But when the fit is as bad as it is on this team, it does not overweigh it. Even though they have two guys who are like, you could argue their generational talents in Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, they continue to just be so average and all right like they barely beat the spurs and even though the spurs have looked good it's still the spurs they're not that good this year they lost to the pacers and they made zero adjustments to guard a guy who had 53 points this team is so disappointing and just confusing i never thought they were going to be as good as a lot of people were saying but i never thought they'd be the sixth seed and when i saw them uh, when I saw this bubble be announced, a lot of people were saying like they're going to be the winner of all this extra time, and I thought that would be the case too. And even though they haven't looked terrible, they haven't looked really good at all. So it's just that fit is so bad. Ben Simmons has been disappointing this bubble. He hasn't shot a three uh, since that first scrimmage where he pump faked all of us. And... We really thought he was going to start shooting threes. We saw he had like a psychological coach uh, helping him get his mental state right, but he's still not shooting threes. Joel Embiid is a beast when healthy, but his health has always been an issue. His motor has been an issue. So I am super unimpressed by this team, and they need to look better if they want to do anything in the playoffs. And if they don't do anything, it is time for Brett Brown to go, and it is time for them to make some trades, get some actual people who can shoot, and get a bench who is who has good players cuz even though they have some good players and they need some they need some shot creation off the bench to save their life. Raul Nato is their backup point guard. Raul Nato. You may not even know who that is cuz he's not good. <laughs> so they need to target some guys in the draft who can actually shoot and give them some scoring off the bench. They need to fire their head coach. They may need to make some trades. This team needs an overhaul, in my opinion. Uh, now moving on to the Nets. This is team I don't have much to talk about. They did beat the Bucks, but again, they the Bucks didn't really seem like they cared that much about that game. Like they weren't playing Giannis and Middleton at the stre- down the stretch because they already have that one seed basically locked up. Uh, but I am really impressed with how uh, TLC. Uh, if you didn't know, that's Timuth. Lawu Calibro. He is an extremely tough name to say, but that's why I just call him TLC. He's looked really good, and he's taken full advantage of this opportunity. Uh, Karis Levert, even though he didn't play against the Bucks when he was playing, even though his efficiency wasn't really good, his aggressiveness was uh, very impressive, and he looked pretty solid because this is a big opportunity for him to show some things because he's a pretty underrated player to me just because the Nets have so many scores, and it's kind of tough for him to shine, even though he's like a 17-point-per-game scorer. He has good shot-creating ability. 
and he was really good last year and this year. So I'll be interested to see what they do with him because, again, they have so much shot creation and uh, scores where it's like, do they really need them or should they get more 3 and D guys? Uh, should they get more guys like Jeremy Grant who may – who on face value and just has a player as a downgrade, but as a fit may work much better as they have a hole at that power forward position and they already have so much scoring. So I'll be interested to see what they do with guys like Karis Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie, who are really good basketball players and are very good scorers, very good shot creators, but aren't great off ball players and kind of need the ball in their hands to be the most effective. They can be decent off ball, but you're not really maximizing their value. Uh, but Joe Harris has continued. He's just an elite shooter. He, he'll he be in this league for a long time as long as he continues that. They definitely, in my opinion, need to re-sign him because he's the perfect player next to uh, Kyrie and KD where he is completely fine with just standing, well, standing or moving around screens and just getting the shots when it comes to him. He's not going to demand 15 shots a game like a Car- uh, like a Vert. He's just going to stand. Uh, hit his shots and play good enough defense and Jared Allen is proving why he needs to be the starting center he's a lot better than DeAndre Jordan DeAndre Jordan's name value has way more value than DeAndre Jordan the actual player DeAndre Jordan to me is just not that good to be totally honest and he hasn't been good since the uh, since the Clippers days he was not good with the Mavericks he was not good with the the Knicks and he's not good with the Nets he's a backup center and the fact that they were starting him just because of the relationship that he has with uh, KD and Kyrie does concern me a little bit that they don't really want to win and uh, because Jared Allen is a lot better of a player than DeAndre Jordan and if he's going to continue to be a backup center, they need to trade him because he's way better than a backup center. He's a starting center, and he is better than DeAndre Jordan and has been for a couple of years now, to be honest. DeAndre Jordan's name and his stats hold way more value than his actual impact on the court. Very Hassan Whiteside-esque. Now moving on to the Magic. Uh, first of all, some sad news. Jonathan Isaac was looking really good in his comeback. He came back from a left knee sprain, and then he got another big left knee injury on at the end of the game when it was kind of a it was a blowout. They were winning by a ton. The game was over, and they were just trying to get him some run, get him back acclimated, get him uh, back just to what he was doing before. He hop stepped in. It was very. If you remember the Derrick Rose ACL tear, it looked a ton like that. So he tore his left ACL, which is a huge blow for them. We won't be seeing Jonathan Isaac for a while, as that is an injury that takes about a year to recover from. So that's super tough for him because he was having such a good season before that left knee injury, and now he has another left knee injury. He's had some ankle injuries in the past, so it's a bit concerning especially because he'll be eligible for a contract extension soon. So it'll be interesting to see what the Magic value him and how much he's willing to bet on himself because when he is healthy and when he is playing, he can get a huge contract, but that is a big concern that how much he'll be healthy and how much he'll be playing. So really tough for Jonathan Isaac. I hope I hope the best for him and hope he has a speedy recovery and come back 
comes back even better. Maybe he'll take advantage of this time to become a better three-point shooter, a better creator, and maybe he can get an even bigger contract when he comes back. So hoping for the best for Jonathan Isaac. Really tough loss for the Magic. Uh, moving on, Aaron Gordon has looked pretty decent, even though he is a frustrating player because he's pretty inconsistent. Uh, this will be a big opportunity for him to step up while Jonathan Isaac is out because they've tried to play those two together a lot, and I just don't think it works. They're both power forwards, and I think even both of them could play some small ball center. So it'll be interesting to see how Aaron Gordon steps up because I wanted them to trade Aaron Gordon for the longest time, but now with Jonathan Isaac being out, I think they'll probably uh, hold on to him. And next year should be a huge prove year for Aaron Gordon. I really want to see him become that, like, 18 to 20-point score that I think he can be. Uh, hopefully he becomes a better shooter. And I'm expecting a lot out of Aaron Gordon next season. And if he doesn't produce, I think it's, it's, time, for, it's time for them to move on from each other. Uh, Nikola Vucevic is Nikola Vucevic. He's a good 20 and, like, 12 guy. He's... I don't think he'll ever have as good of a season as he had his all-star season, but he's going to be a consistent player who helps them win as long as he's on their team. So I like Nikola Vucevic, very good player. Uh, Terrence Ross has been good off the bench. I've really liked what I've seen from uh, Markel Fultz. He's been solid off the bench. Uh, next year, I really want to see him take that starting job away from jo- uh, DJ Augustine, especially if they're struggling, because I could see them without Jonathan Isaac struggling a bit next season. I would love to see Markel Fultz really get an opportunity to show everything he has, and it'll be interesting to see his value once he's available for an extension, too. I think he may be available this offseason, so it'll be interesting to see if they believe in him and give him a good contract, or if he's going to bet on himself and hope he can get an even bigger contract next offseason. But I like Marco Fultz. I think he can still be really good. He's already shown good signs as a defender. He's a good mid-range shooter. He's a good finisher. His three-point shot is still a work in progress, but it's gotten a lot better. So I like Marco Fultz, and I really want to see him be the starting point guard going into the future for the Magic. Uh, I really want to see Mo Bamba get an opportunity. It's tough because I've always wanted to see a Jonathan Isaac um, and Mo Bamba front court just fully fledged because that defense would be incredible the spacing would still be good but Mo Bamba just doesn't seem to get the opportunity and I don't know what it is I don't know if he's not playing hard enough in practice I don't know if he's uh, just not ready but it's kind of tough because we saw you may have saw the picture where he put on like 30 pounds of muscle but he just isn't really getting the opportunity he's still having some dnps i don't know if he's injured or anything because i don't really keep up with the magic like that but i want to see him get an opportunity to show what he has but with uh nikola vucevic who is a really good player i don't know when he's going to get that opportunity and he may wait i need to wait to get traded to get that opportunity that would allow him to show that crazy potential that he showed while he was in college at Texas. Uh, moving on to the last team in the Eastern Conference, uh, the Wizards. This is one of the teams that I've watched the least for obvious reasons. They don't have Dobbs Bertans. They don't have uh, Bradley Beal. They don't have John Wall. So they're just, they're just not that good. But I have been impressed how they've stayed in games pretty solidly for how bad their team is. I really liked what I've seen from Thomas Bryant. Thomas Bryant 
has shown a ton of aggressiveness. He's been hitting threes. He showed uh, some potential to hit threes last season and then in the off season. But one of the games, uh, I don't remember who they're playing. It may have been the Suns. He shot like four or six from three. He was hitting mid ranges. So I really like what I've seen from Thomas Bryan. It'll be interesting to see uh, what happens with him going forward. But if he keeps playing like this, he keeps hitting threes, I definitely think he can be a really good starting center for them. And he'll be really good in the pick and pop and pick and roll with John Wall once he gets back healthy. I like what I've seen from Troy Brown Jr. He's just looked solid as that point forward type guy who will maybe give you like 13 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. He's just a solid player. I don't think he'll ever be a star, but he'll be in the league for a long time because he's just good. Uh, Rui Achimura is still just a very consistent, solid player. He's been one of the most consistent players in the draft. I feel like there isn't a night where he's not scoring around like 14 uh, well, like 13 to 15 points on pretty good efficiency. He's super underrated, especially within his own draft, cra- uh, draft class. I don't feel like he gets talked enough about, even though he'll be an all-rookie first or second team player because he's really good. And then Jerome Robinson has taken advantage of this new given opportunity. Jerome Robinson was a player who I never really liked, and then he never got opportunity with the Clippers he never looked good in preseason he didn't look good in uh, summer league but maybe this this change of scenery will help him because he's looked pretty good in the bubble games and it's been nice to see him actually get some tick in some real games that matter not in some blowout when like when he was on the Clippers uh, moving on to the Le- the Western Conference we got the Lakers they secured that first seed uh, Anthony Davis has been super aggressive. I love what I've seen from him. He been he hit like a step back three over Rudy Gobert, got the and got an A one, and he's been getting to the free throw line at a great rate. He's looked like the best player on the team. I don't expect that to be like that when it comes to playoff time, but just so far he's looked really good, and I like what I've seen from him. Obviously, he's an elite defender, one of the best defenders in the league, a defensive player of the year type candidate. Uh, candidate. Uh, one of the better scorers in the league, one of the better low post players, a great mid-range shooter. Anthony Davis is a beast, and he's continued to be really good. I don't think he's top five like a lot of people say. I think a lot of people can get very irrational after they see one really good game, like what they saw against the Clippers or the Jazz. But he's probably my seventh best player in the league. But obviously, he's amazing. It's Anthony Davis, one one of the best players in the league. The second best power forward in the league, in my opinion. Uh, LeBron, he still looked a bit passive, which has been a little bit disappointing for me. Even though he looked more aggressive against the Jazz, which I did like to see. But his all-around game has still been there. His defense has been impressive. Obviously, it's LeBron. He's going to get you around eight rebounds. He's going to pass the ball very well. Uh, Danny Green's shot has struggled a ton. He shot, I think it was 0 of 6 from, uh, from 3 against the Raptors. And if you don't remember, Danny Green also was like this last year with the Raptors. He struggled a ton, especially in the playoffs. And if he does uh, do it like he did last year in the playoffs, that could be a huge issue for the Lakers, even though I would still have them like competing with the Clippers to make the, make the finals. That still could be a big issue because it's not like the Raptors team last year where they had a lot more depth. And if Danny Green was struggling, they could uh, fill in someone else to play that role. The Lakers have a lot less depth, 
and are a lot more top heavy. So Danny Green needs to shoot better. And I saw a graphic where in the playoffs he's kind of always struggled. So if that's a recurring theme, that's going to be a huge issue. Other than like uh, when he was younger, I know in like 2014 when Kawhi won the finals MVP, Danny Green was actually very close to winning it. But in the past, I think, three playoffs he's played, and he shot under 35% from three, and one of the years shot like 25. So he needs to step up and shoot better, or it's going to be a big problem for the Lakers going into the playoffs for sure. Uh, I've also liked what I've seen from Kyle Kuzma and Deion Waiters off the bench. Even though Deion Waiters uh, kind of struggled to shoot in the Jazz game, I just like the different looks he brings them as a mid-range shooter, as a, as a guy who can... Uh, create his own shot because the Lakers don't really have that much like Kyle Kuzma is a decent scorer but he's not that good at creating his own shot and he's actually been pretty good for them even though he'll sometimes do something that'll make you roll your eyes he'll do a boneheaded play he'll like dribble it off his foot Uh, he'll wave off LeBron and take a terrible shot and hit like all backboard but if he can just stay out of their way hit his open threes, and play good enough defense. He'll be fine for them, and he'll help them. But he just needs to knock it in anybody's way and play smart. Uh, Moving on to the Clippers. Kawhi looks like Kawhi, scoring like 28 points a game. And I really have uh, liked the improvement in playmaking he's made. He's He's gotten a good amount better even from last year, and that's why I think he's the best player in the league. So he's been really good. He's shown a great ability to get to the free throw line, like he always has, but he's been getting to the free throw line some games like 10 or 11 times. So I really like that. I love the playmaking step up. And obviously he's a good three-point shooter. His mid-range game is maybe the best in the league. The only person I would really argue with is Kevin Durant, but He's definitely up there as one of the best mid-range shooters in the league. He's an elite finisher. His defense is obviously great. He's just a great all-around player, in my opinion, the best player in the world. And he just looks like himself. He was really struggling in the scrimmages, and some people got a little worried about that. But I knew Kawhi can just flip a switch and be one of the best players in the world. So I like what I've seen from Kawhi. He's looked great. Uh, Paul George is healthy, and he's been really impressive. His three-point shot is been hitting at a really good rate and as long as he's healthy and he doesn't struggle like he did in the playoffs uh, the last couple of years I think it'll be super good for the Clippers and um, make them that championship team because I feel like Paul George has gotten a bad rap but it's not really his fault like He's had some disappointments. I The Jazz series was inexcusable for me. He shot, I think it was 2 of 16 in the last game where they lost. They beat, they lost to the underdog Jazz. But last year, uh, his shoulder was an issue in the playoffs. A lot of people give him a lot of flack for that. Even though he really wasn't that bad, he was pretty good, especially considering that shoulder issue that he was having. And people forget that he was an MVP candidate last year. But he's looking really good. His three-point shot has been super impressive, and uh, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be one of the 10 to 15 best players in the world. So I like what I've seen from Paul George. I hope he keeps it up. I hope he's, I just hope everybody stays healthy, especially these star guys. I mean, it sucks when a role player goes down, but especially these star guys who are going to make a huge impact 
on whether a team's going to win or not. I don't want to hear excuses. I just want the best players in the world to play and make some great series, no matter who wins or who doesn't. Like, I, I want the Clippers to beat the Lakers, but if the Lakers win, but both teams are healthy, and as long as it's good entertainment, I'm completely happy with that. So I just want Paul George to stay healthy, Kawhi to stay healthy. Hopefully that quad isn't an issue. And the rest of the team has just looked pretty solid. Other than the Lakers game, Marcus Morris has looked pretty good. Reggie Jackson has looked all right. Uh, Lou Williams is coming back. I don't know when Montrezl Harrell is coming back to the bubble. I don't know if he's already back and he's quarantining. I, I think his mom died. Rest in peace to his mom. I'm pretty sure his mom died at least. So rest in peace to her. But hopefully he'll be back soon because he'll be a huge piece for them off the bench. Lou Williams kind of struggled in his first game back, but he only played like nine minutes, and they're just easing him back in. So that's not a worry for me. The rest of the Clippers team is just so deep, and they are ready to make a deep playoff run, even though they lost to the uh, they lost to the Lakers in a very tough close game, and then they lost to the the Suns, who the Suns have been amazing. So I can't really blame them that much. And it was another close game, and Devin Booker just hit a super tough shot. So I'm not gonna giving them too much uh, heat for losing that game. Uh, moving on to the third seed currently in the West, we got the Denver Nuggets. I love what I've seen from Michael Porter Jr. He's the guy for me who can really be the missing piece for them. Well, I do like what I've seen from Bobel. I, w- I just wouldn't bet on Bobel just because all the injury issues and how frail he still is. But I, I would definitely bet on Michael Porter Jr., even though I think his, some of his political opinions are a little are a little ridiculous. If, you, if you've seen some of the things he said, you know. But he was amazing against the Thunder. He put up 37 on a great efficiency. Even though he didn't score super efficiently the other games, he was still taking shots, uh, getting to his mid uh, his mid-range spots, hitting threes, being a really good off-ball player, cutting to the basket well. So I really like Michael Porter Jr., especially at that size, him being six around 6'10 or 6'11, and just having the shot making ability he does i think he can be the piece in making the nuggets uh a championship team just because like i was talking about with the bucks that would give them that tough shot making ability i love nikola Jokic. nikola Jokic is amazing but and he's hit multiple clutch shots and i think his uh like clutch shot making is a little bit underrated just because he's a big so it doesn't stand out as much but i do really think they need that guy who they can just give the ball everybody get out of the way and he can hit like a step back three a sidestep three uh a tough mid-range shot fading over someone so i really like what i've seen from michael porter jr i hope he keeps getting minutes i hope he gets good minutes in the playoffs and as long as his defense improves a little bit and he looks better on that side of the floor. I think he'll get a lot of opportunity next year, and I think he'll be great for them next year. I expect him to be maybe an 18-point-per-game score or around there as long as he gets the right opportunity, especially with the free agents they have that could potentially leave. So I really like Michael Porter Jr. I hope he keeps it up. I hope uh, Mike Malone keeps giving him minutes. And as long as he's aggressive, he's going to be a great scorer in the league for a long time. Nikola Jokic is Nikola Jokic. He was amazing against the Thunder, put up a 30-point triple-double. He was solid in their other games. And he's continued just to be one of the best, uh, one of the 10 best players in the world. He's great. Monte Morris was has looked really good in the absence of Jamal Murray. Monte Morris has always been a 
well, especially recently, has been super underrated just because he doesn't really have that opportunity with uh, Jamal Murray as the starting point guard. But he's shown while Jamal Murray's out, he's more than a good enough replacement because he's one of the best backup point guards in point guards in the league just due to his circumstance he's a backup and on a lot of teams he'd be the starting point guard so I like what I've seen from Monte Morris he's scored like 17 points gone like seven assists he's he's a really good player and uh, has really stepped up while Jamal Murray's out and I've been pretty impressed with them the heat game they looked really bad but they were looked super good against the Thunder, and considering they are missing three starters and Gary Harris, uh, Will Barron, and Jamal Murray, like I previously mentioned, that's pretty impressive that they're still looking like one of the best teams in the league. Uh, moving on to the Rockets. So James Harden, the past two games, has been in some foul trouble kind of earlier in the game, which has been a bit of an issue, but other than that, he's looked super good, and it's James Harden. He's going to get to the free throw line. He's going to shoot a good amount of threes and shoot a pretty good percentage. He's going to uh, shoot floaters pretty well. He's a, gr- he's a very good passer, so I like what I've seen from James Harden. Russell Westbrook has been a bit inef- inefficient, but he still looks like himself getting to the basket. Uh, he just needs to hit those mid-range shots more and stuff like that. Keep just attacking as much as he can. Bring them that pace that they were really missing last year when they were I think they had the slowest pace in the league because it was a lot of ISO with James Harden, and you still get that sometimes. But I like the dynamic Russell Westbrook brings with his speed running up and down the court, and he can really push the pace and just bring something that they didn't have last year to the Rockets. Uh, Daniel House has been super good. He's hit like uh, six of 12 threes, I think, in multiple games. He's been just super efficient hitting threes. He's... Just the perfect, he's the prototypical Rockets player where he is completely fine with watching James Harden and Russell Westbrook ISO, but when they are ISOing, he's ready, he's standing, he's in the right position, and if they blow by their man and the defense collapses, he'll always be there to hit his threes. So I really like what I've seen from Daniel House. He'll be a a big piece for them and them potentially making a run because they're one of the biggest wild card teams in the whole league. I really have no clue how good they're going to do, but uh, I do like what I've seen from them a ton. The small ball has been working. The defense has been super impressive. The The way they played late game against the Bucks was incredible. I was so impressed with how they played late game against the Bucks. The defense that James Harden played on Giannis was great. Uh, he got a strip steal, played good in the post, and then they closed out that game on offense. Robert Covington, his shot has really struggled, and he's going to definitely need to step up big time if they want to make that run because he's a very important piece for them. But other than that, his defense has still been super impressive. He's been doing a good job rebounding. He had that huge tip in against the Mavs. So as long as his shot starts to fall again, which I do expect it to because it's Robert Covington, one of the best 3 and D players in the league, he'll be another great big wing for them. Uh, Jeff Green was super good for them last game. So as long as they just have guys who will step up and play solid off the bench, guys like Ben McLemore have been good for them all season. As long as they're hitting their threes, they're going to win games just because of how many threes they get up. So they are really the definition of the of live by the three and die by the three. If they're hitting their threes, they're, it's, 
it's likely they're going to win. If they're hitting, like, 38% and shooting, like, 53s a game, they're going to win. It's so hard to beat that. But if they're shooting, like, 30%, if they go on a big drought of missing threes and they kind of can't get anything else going, they're going to lose. But even though basically every other team out-rebounds them, I mean, what would you expect? They're running Robert Covington or B.J. Tucker at center. Even though every other team out-rebounds them, the every big who has played them has done a pretty good job. Yusuf Nurkic did really well against them. I'm pretty sure Brooke Lopez had a good game against them. Kristaps Porzingis, I think, had a season high against them. But the small ball has still worked, even though the bigs have been beating them. Other than that, having so many versatile wings who can switch on anything is uh, really good and gives a lot of players problems like uh, CJ and Dame. Even though they were both decent, Dame had a really rough game uh, with the shooting at least. So as long as they're hitting their threes, they're going to be a team who will give a lot of teams problems and i think they're a deadly matchup for a team like the lakers who plays so opposite to them it'll be fascinating to see a series like that where the lakers have so many uh, big players who beat beat up teams on the inside it'll be really interesting but uh, i like what i've seen from the rockets they've been super impressive one of the better teams in the bubble uh, moving on to the jazz donovan mitchell has really struggled to hit his shot Mike Conley has looked better than he expected, well, than I expected at least for him to look. He had, uh, in two of the three games, he's looked really good. Ru- Rudy Gobert was struggling, though, in that game against the Lakers. Anthony Davis was hooking him, and that perimeter defense is a problem, especially if they're going to have to face a team like the Rockets. It's It's game over for them if they have to face the Rockets, and... Jordan Clarkson's shot has really been struggling. They're currently playing now against the Grizzlies. Uh, I'll actually check on the score right now to see what the score is. But it'll be interesting. Okay, they are currently beating them 88-85. to And uh, Rudy Gobert, 18 points. All right. So I just don't believe in the Jazz that much, even though they're uh, they're beating the Grizzlies right now. And they stay in most games for me they're just super stagnant like they need to make some splash uh Bojan Bogdanovic was a great pickup for them and I think they'd definitely be better if he was uh here but even if he was I don't think they're winning a championship so I think they need to make a move and they're gonna I think they may need to trade one of their top two guys. They may need to trade a guy like Rudy Gobert, even though Rudy Gobert is great. This team is just so stagnant for me. And other than making a big trade, I don't see how they go up from here. I just see them staying at the same spot or getting slightly better. Like Bojan Bogdanovic was a great pickup for them. But they got slightly better. They didn't get uh enough better where they're a championship contender they're always going to be in that mold of a four or five seed and they're just so frustrating to watch because it's like this is basically it feels like the same team we've seen for the past three years where at best they're going to be a second round exit and they're likely to be a first round exit i'm taking I'm taking the Nuggets over them. I'm taking the Rockets over them. I'm taking the Lakers over them. I'm taking the Clippers over them. I'm taking the Thunder over them. I may even take the Mavericks over them. 
I'm taking every team over them except for the Grizzlies, who are the eighth seed. So it's a big issue for them, and they need to do something, at least in my opinion. Like, if they just want to sell tickets and constantly be solid every year, they can keep the same team. But if they actually want to go all in on trying to be a championship team, they need to make some moves and stop being such a stagnant team. Uh, the Thunder, uh, Chris Paul continuing to be great. Chris Paul has had such a good season, and I'm so impressed by Chris Paul. He really proved a ton of people wrong this season with how he's led the Thunder to being a much better team than basically everyone expected. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander is still really good. Still a 20-point-per-game scorer. Uh, Danilo Gallinari is as consistent as you can be, basically. He's in, like an 18-point-per-game scorer. He really takes advantage of of his shot attempts that he does get he's super efficient and he's always led to winning basketball when he's healthy oh whoops sorry it's banged my mic uh i really like what i've seen from darius Baisley. he's shown some super good signs for them off the bench i really like that draft pick for them i think he has a really high ceiling and if he can keep hitting his threes like he is right now and uh, keep playing defense and be a smart passer i think he can be a really good piece for them especially as they are struggling at that wing position a little bit and with danilo gallinari having an expiring contract uh they're gonna miss dennis Schroeder because uh, he is he has left the bubble he's witnessing his child being born i don't know when he'll be back in the bubble but he's been a huge piece for them been a six man of the year candidate and that three guard lineup where they have chris paul shakos alexander and Dennis Schroeder has been amazing for them. So hopefully he'll be back by playoff time. I don't really know. So they're definitely going to miss him. And hopefully they can just keep afloat while he's gone. Uh, moving on to the Mavericks. This team has disappointed me quite a lot, if I'm totally honest. I was a, a big believer in them not to beat the Clippers, because that's the team that they were likely going to face, but to give a lot of teams problems. And while Luka has been incredible, Luka has been ridiculous. He put up a 34-point, I think it was 20-rebound, 12-assist, triple-double against the Kings last night. Uh, Porzingis is back in his all-star form. Porzingis has looked really good, and he's doing a great job getting to the free-throw line. He's been super aggressive, taking advantage of all the mismatches. A lot of people, I saw a lot of people complaining about him not taking advantage of mismatches against the Rockets, but that was just not true. Even though he's doing fadeaways, he was hitting them, and he's been hitting them this whole bubble, so I really like that. But Dorian Finney-Smith has been really bad for them. His three-point shot has struggled a ton. He's never been a great three-point shooter, but he's actually pretty solid this whole year. And, like, if you were just watching the game, it felt like Luka just couldn't get any help because Kristaps uh, had a bit of a rough night. I'm pretty sure he fouled out. So it, Luca was just carrying that team, and it was it was a rough win, even though they won. Cause the the rest of the sporting cast has just been really disappointing and inconsistent. Where like Tim Hardaway will have a good game, but that means uh, Seth Curry and Maxi Kleber are both gonna be bad. Seth Curry will have a good game. Tim Hardaway is gonna shoot one of eight from three and take terrible shots, and Maxi Kleber is going to miss his shots, and Dorian Finney-Smith is going to keep missing his shots. Justin Jackson is terrible. I want him off this team. Luka could have, like, three... He could have... Uh, he could have had, like, 15 assists this game if the shooters were actually showing up and shooting like they should, but they just weren't, 
and it was concerning that they could barely beat the Kings, who have been really, really struggling in this bubble. So I need to see some players step up for them. I need to see uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. be consistent. I need to see Seth Curry be consistent, and I need to see Maxi Kleber be consistent for them to step up. I need to see them play that better defense because their offense is amazing, but their defense has been really bad so far, and they were never a great defensive team, but I'm pretty sure they were almost exactly like league average. They were either like 15th or 16th. But they've looked really bad on defense, and the supporting cast needs to step up a lot for them to do anything. Now, moving on to the Grizzlies, another team who had a huge loss. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, he suffered a meniscus tear and will miss the rest of the season, which is just a massive blow for them. And that really jeopardizes their playoff uh, hopes greatly. He was so good. In my opinion, he's been the best player this whole season, but especially in the bubble, he looked by far and away the best player. He was hitting threes uh, when the bigs that were on him were so worried about that three because he's such a good three-point shooter. He was blowing past them. One of the plays he blew past Eustace Nurkic, Eurostep, dunked, uh, and won. Like, he was looking so good. When he was having smaller players, he was actually taking advantage of them and bullying them in the post. So it's a super tough loss for them, and I think that really may be a season, not even maybe, I think it's going to be a season ender for them, to be totally honest. I think the Trailblazers are taking that A seed away from them, and even though it's been uh, such a great season for them, they beat out everyone's expectations, I'm not taking anything away from them, I just, it's a tough circumstance with your best player being out for the rest of the season. And John Morant's shot has really struggled. His shot needs to improve if he really wants to take that next step. In one of the games, I think he shot like 1 for 10 from 3. He His percentages is actually pretty good. But he shoots, I think the only two starting uh, point guards he shoots less threes than is Ben Simmons. And then like Markel Fultz when he was starting. So that's a big issue. He only shoots like two a game. And even though percentages is good his form isn't great he doesn't shoot a big volume of them and with such a low volume his percentage isn't that impressive and then when he has shot larger volumes he really struggled to hit his shot and he just hasn't played that good so far i expect a lot better it's obviously he's a young player it's some hard circumstances with so much pressure being on him especially now that jaron jackson jr is going to be out so hopefully he steps up and looks better uh, Dylan Brooks, I really like Dylan Brooks, but he just has a tendency to make a lot of dumb plays. Like, he'll come up the court, and a lot of the times he sh- he shoots like he's the best player on the team, when he's not. He's like the third or fourth best. I'd say he's the fourth best player on this team, but he takes a lot of really tough shots that he just can't make. When he's actually just uh, staying within himself and taking smart shots, he's super efficient for them. So I need to see him doing that. He also made a really boneheaded play, uh, fell for a DeMar DeRozan pump fake, and then fouled him to end the game and lose a huge game to the Spurs. So I need to see Dylan Brooks play smarter. But Jonas Valanciunas, he's Jonas Valanciunas. He's a very good center, one of the, like, maybe eight or ten best centers in the league. And then Brandon Clark, super efficient off the bench for them. Great defensively. I really like Brandon Clark, and he's just – He's so consistent. He, I, 
don't think I've ever seen Brandon Clark make a mistake. It's not like Dylan Brooks, where while Dylan Brooks is a good player, he makes a lot of mistakes. Uh, Brandon Clark, I don't think his ceiling is crazy high just because he's not much of a shot creator and he's an older player. But just as what he is right now, he's already so good, and he still does have some room to grow as a three-point shooter. So I really like Brandon Clark. He's uh, just so efficient and such a good player. Uh, the Trailblazers, I love what I've seen from Yusuf Nurkic. He's been stuffing the stat sheet. He's looked so good. And he's one of the best bigs in the league while healthy. I think he's been underrated for a couple years now. He's been uh, looking like he's going to expand his range. Uh, he's starting to shoot threes more, and he's made a couple of them. So I really like that because I love when bigs just expand their game from being low post players out to being mid-range shooters and then out to being a three-point shooter so i really like what i've seen from yusuf nurkic he's super good defensively even though he doesn't get many blocks he's not really a shot blocker he's more of a paint protector where he just may not block a shot but it will affect it and cause the player to miss so i love what i've seen from yusuf nurkic it's been super impressive how he's came back from that gruesome uh, leg injury where he broke it going for that rebound so I like what I've seen from him, and he's really uh, prone, uh, shown to me that Hassan Whiteside just really isn't an impactful player. Like, I already knew that. I think he's the most overrated player in the league. I think he puts up empty stats, and he always has, but it really shows just how much better Yusuf Nurkic is than uh, Hassan Whiteside because Hassan Whiteside will only play like 10 minutes, and I think that's his best role, being a backup center, maybe just getting a couple blocks because when he's more of a backup – you don't get to see as many of the boneheaded plays that he'll make when he's playing like 30 minutes a game. Uh, like the Through the Wire podcast is one of my favorite podcasts, and I respect those guys a ton. I think they know a ton about basketball, but they had Hassan Whiteside as their seventh best center this year. And even though the stats, the stats are incredible for Hassan Whiteside. He's averaging like 17 points, 13 rebounds, and four blocks, or like or like three blocks. When you actually watch the games. I just don't see him making much of an impact, especially now that Yusuf Nurkic is starting. And it shows that the Blazers know Yusuf Nurkic is way better than Hassan Whiteside. Uh, he's one of the maybe, I'd say, six or seven best centers in the league. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic is great, and um, I really liked what I've seen from him coming back from such a bad injury. And Dame and CJ have looked uh, pretty good. They, weren't, they both weren't great against the uh, Rockets, but they still pulled out that game, and that was a really impressive win. But when they get hot, it's impossible to stop them. They got hot against the Celtics, and man, especially Dame. Dame was super hot against the Celtics, and that really led them to come back. Uh, Melo has been huge for them. He hit multiple big shots. He hit uh, those shots that sent it to overtime against the Grizzlies, and he hit the dagger against the uh, the Rockets. So I really like what I've seen from Melo. I like uh, seeing his versatility. Now he's back to playing small forward with Zach Collins starting because he did he slimmed down during this extra time. So I like what I've seen from Melo. He definitely deserves to be in the league, and I definitely expect him to stay in it next year. I also, man, I love what I've seen from Gary Trent Jr. He's been huge off the bench for them. He's hitting threes at a ridiculous clip. I always thought he was a pretty solid like well this year at least thought he was a solid bench player for them but he's outperformed my expectations a ton and i'm super excited for this blazers team to get healthy i think a lot of people forgot 
just how good they are when they're healthy when Yusuf Nurkic is playing. Because I've seen a ton of players switch their opinion to, uh, not players, people, switch their opinion back to saying that Russell Westbrook is better than Damian Lillard. But I, And they, a lot of the times they mention that team success. But I really think uh, the Blazers were put in a super tough position this year with Yusuf Nurkic being injured and uh, Roddy Hood getting injured, and he was really good for them when he was playing. So I think they've just shown when they're healthy, they're a very good team. They're going to have this mo- some money this offseason with uh, uh, with Hassan Whiteside's big expiring contract. So I'd really like to see them get some more help at the wing because while Gary Trent Jr. has looked really good and I expect him to continue to look good, hit his threes, I like him more as a bench piece to come in and just be a spark plug, especially because he's only like 6'4". So I'd like them to get a bigger wing either in the draft or in free agency. And if they have a good free agency, and as long as they're healthy next year, they're going to be back up in, in contention. They're going to be a great team next year because Yusuf Nurkic just makes that big of an impact for them. And the money that they have freed up will allow them to get a lot more depth because that was a big issue with them with their health this year. They really had no depth. They were having players like Anthony Tolliver when he was on their team playing big minutes. And even though I like Bello and think he's played really good for them, I, I would like him a little more off the bench just as a nice uh, score, as a nice microwave. So I think the Blazers will be back in contention next year in the super hard West. Man, the West will be impossible next year. With a, I expect the I expect the Blazers to get better. I expect the Grizzlies to get better. I expect the Pelicans to get a lot better. I expect the Suns to get a lot better. Obviously, the war the Warriors are going to be way better with a healthy uh, Curry and Clay and the draft pick. So it'll be interesting to see how the Trailblazers play next year. But I've been really impressed with them in the bubble, and they are my team right now that I think will take the A seed. And while I definitely by no means expect them to beat the Lakers. I expect them to uh, give them a bit of a challenge and make just an entertaining series at the very least. Uh, moving on to the Spurs. So the small ball they've been playing, they've been playing DeMar-, DeMar DeRozan at the power forward because of the absence of LaMarcus Aldridge. And I've actually really liked that. It's looked very good. It brings them a lot more spacing. It brings them a lot more shot creation. And it's very interesting. Uh, DeMar DeRozan has been super good. He's been a really good scorer. He's been playmaking very well. And he's just looked more like himself without uh, LaMarcus. Because they both have such a similar game as far as being such heavy mid-range shooters. That they kind of contradict each other's games and get in each other's way. But with DeMar DeRozan having all the freedom to just uh, score shoot as many mid-range as he wants and attack the basket i really like what i've seen from demar and i really like this lineup with him at power forward uh Derek white has also been super good he's looking like the Derek white from the playoffs last year where he's been like a 16 point per game score i love what i've seen from lonnie walker lonnie walker is a guy who i believe in a ton i think in the right opportunity he could be a most improved player next year and I just like what I've seen from him. He's gotten a lot more opportunity, which is super exciting for me because he's a player. I really liked coming into the draft and just didn't get that opportunity for a while. But now he's really getting it with the absence of LaMarcus and then playing the small ball. So I like that a lot. Uh, Keldon Johnson showed some great signs. He scored like 15 points in the game he played. I think that was another super safe, just smart, good draft pick by them. And he can also be another really good player for them. So I like what I've seen from the young players a lot. 
Uh, DeJounte Murray has looked pretty good, even though he did give up that three to Shake Milton, which was a bit of a bonehead play because Shake Milton is basically the only three-point shooter for them. And also, they were only down by two, so I think they really just should have stuck on the three. But other than that, DeJounte Murray, you know him. Great defender, uh, good rebounder, solid scorer, solid passer. I like DeJounte Murray a lot. I just like a lot of these young players. And I've been really impressed with Pop's coaching. Obviously, it's Pop. He's the greatest coach of all time, in my opinion. But he kind of seemed to like fall off a little bit, just a little bit as a coach, just because his coaching style didn't fit the modern NBA. But with this small ball, with DeMar DeRozan at power forward, he's really adapted very well. They've been playing, the, they've been throwing this zone in a couple times, and it's been really messing with some of the teams they've played. So I really like that. I love the heart they showed in that uh, 76ers game. So. I like what I've seen from the Spurs. They've outperformed my expectations by a lot. And shout out to the Spurs. They've looked really good. Uh, the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram. Is Brandon Ingram looking like himself being that 24-point-per-game scorer? He is in those mid-ranges. He's gotten so much better as a three-point shooter. So I like what I've seen from him. Uh, Lonzo, his shot has still been struggling. But I do like that he's still taking the shots. He's still been confident in his shot. And he still has that all-around game. He's a great defender. He's uh, very good at getting steals, very good in the passing lanes, very good as an individual defender. He's a good rebounder. Obviously, it's Lonzo Ball, one of the best passers in the league. He made, He's thrown just multiple beautiful passes. He's thrown half-court lobs to Zion. He threw a beautiful, almost full-court uh, pass to Drew Holiday to give him an easy layup. So I really like Lonzo, and as long as his shot starts falling, he's going to be really good for them. He's going to be huge for them and them trying to make a playoff run, even though I think their playoff hopes are kind of shot right now with how good the Suns are playing, the Spurs playing very good, the Trailblazers playing good, and them getting that huge loss to the the Clippers. They looked terrible that game. Uh, the, the Jazz game, they, were, they looked very good, but they just couldn't close that one out. And uh, Zion, he's been amazing while he's played, even though, again, he's a... Efficiency hasn't looked great. Like uh, I always say, I really like just seeing players be aggressive, especially players who I know are going to end up hitting the shots. Like, I don't like watching shot chuckers, but when players are getting to their spots and taking smart shots, but they're just missing them when they usually would make them, I'm completely fine with that. So Zion's been barreling his way to the basket. I like his playmaking ability a lot. And just whenever he's on the court, even if his stats don't look great, he just has such a positive impact for that team. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just the energy he gives them. I don't know if it's the confidence he gives them. But whenever he's on that floor, he looks really good. So hopefully his minutes can continue to ramp up because he was huge in them uh, getting their last win. He scored like 23. He got the, He's great at getting to the free throw line. Needs to start hitting his free throws more. But I like Zion a lot like what I've seen from him and he's had a great impact on them potentially being a playoff team uh moving on to the Suns this has been the most fun team for me in the whole bubble they're 3-0 and they've looked incredible uh Devin Booker has been great he hit that huge shot against the Clippers I was going absolutely crazy when he hit that shot I'm not even a Suns fan by any means I'm not even a Devin Booker fan but that was just such an exciting shot it was super impressive, and I just like what I've seen from Devin Booker a ton. He's gotten a lot better. Uh, the Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker 
debate used to be a thing that I thought was pretty close. But I think Devin Booker has really taken that next step that Donovan Mitchell hasn't. Again, that whole Jazz team just so stagnant. But Devin Booker has gotten so much better as a playmaker. I thought his uh, last year was a bit of an outlier just because they had him play more of a point guard role. But uh, even with Ricky Rubio, who is such a good playmaker, one of the best playmakers in the league, and that's what they signed him for, uh, Devin Booker has still been a great playmaker. He, whenever he gets to the basket and it's not there, he's been great at driving and kicking. He's made He makes some very good and very impressive passes. And obviously it's Devin Booker, one of the best scorers in the league, a great mid-range shooter. And I really like Devin Booker, and I'm super proud of what I've seen from him and just the whole Suns team as a whole. I love what I've seen from DeAndre Ayton. He's shown willingness to expand his game. He's uh, been shooting threes a lot more. He shot two threes in, like, multiple games, both in the scrimmages and in the regular games. So I really like that. And obviously he's an elite post presence. He's great in the pick and roll. I would like to see him get to the free throw line a little bit more because he kind of always takes, like, fadeaways and hooks. I would like to see him more just use that strength because he's one of the strongest and just most built players in the league. I would like to see him get to the free throw line more, but I have, like, what I've seen from him. He's been very good. Uh, Ricky Rubio is just a super steady presence for them. He's never going to give you anything crazy, but he's a good defender, good playmaker, good enough scorer, and he fits well with this team. I just like how this team fits a lot. Like, Mikhail Bridges, an elite defender, and he's improving offensively. Uh, Cam Johnson, even though I didn't think that was a good pick for them, he's a great shooter. He's pretty solid defensively. Dario Sarch has been pretty good for them. Cameron Payne actually looks like an NBA player, which is crazy that he's still even in the league i didn't even know he was playing for the suns until i was watching them in the scrimmages but he's actually looked pretty good he's been scoring at a pretty good rate for them so i just love the confidence that the suns have played with they've impressed me a ton during this bubble and uh they're definitely one of the teams where their record makes them look like a lot worse team than they actually are because that deandre Ayton suspension even though aaron baines was actually very good for them when DeAndre Ayton was out. He's more of a backup center, and with this team being healthy next year, even though DeAndre Ayton wasn't hurt, he uh, got suspended. As long as they have all their guys, they're definitely going to be a team who is going to be fighting for the playoffs next year. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're like if they're anywhere from the eighth to tenth seed. I wouldn't be surprised as long as they have a good off season too. If they have a good offseason, their players uh, keep developing like they are. DeAndre Aiden's potential is insane. Devin Booker's already so good that I don't even think he can get much better, but he's already so good where he's at. And then players like Mikhail Bridges, if he gets better offensively, he's already such a good defender. Kelly Oubre has been super good for them. And it's really impressive how they've been playing without Kelly Oubre, who was like an 18-point-per-game scorer with them. He uh, tore his meniscus, so... I think he's going to be out for the entire bubble, but I really like what I've seen from the Suns. They've been playing great. They're a lot better than the record shows because DeAndre Ayton is here, and he is amazing. And as long as they have a good offseason, if they could sign a guy like Jeremy Grant, because Dario Sarch has actually played pretty good for them so far in the bubble, but I don't really believe that much in Dario Sarch anymore. I used to like him a ton, but I don't really like him that much uh, anymore, especially next to DeAndre Ayton, even though he's definitely improved a ton defensively, he still has some room to grow. So if they can get a good defender and a good shooter and a good slasher uh, like Jeremy Grant, I think that'd be huge for them. If they can get 
uh, really anybody in the draft. They have a ton of flexibility for who they want to pick because their guards are good, their bigs are pretty solid, and they also have good wings. So they can really draft whoever, and as long as it's the right pick and it's a smart pick, I'm completely fine with it. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the draft. I'll be interested to see if they actually trade that pick because they have so much depth where they may not need that. And they may want to win now, so they may try and upgrade, maybe trade a young guy with some potential who doesn't isn't really going to have the chance for them. Maybe trade a guy like, like Ellie Okobo, who was uh, a high second-round pick. I'm pretty sure he was the first pick in the second round a couple of years ago. And then that first-round pick and maybe get a more established guy to help them win now it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason but i love what i've seen from them in the bubble they've definitely been the most fun for, team for me to watch just the way they play is so impressive and they're a good offseason away and health and their players continuing to to develop away from being a playoff team or even a fringe playoff team because it's not like i'm going to expect them to play playoff team next year with how hard the west is going to be the west is already hard this year and next year, it should get even better with the Timberwolves probably getting better, them getting better, Pelicans getting better. So many teams are going to get better. And even the top teams, got people like the Nuggets could get better. Maybe the Rockets, uh, with a full year of small ball, maybe they master the small ball and get even better. But I'm really impressed with them. They're going to be a good team for a long time. And I like Monty Williams a ton of as a coach. That has been a huge difference maker for them having Monty Williams as a coach. So I like that a lot. The Suns have been really good. And they could definitely knock on the door of uh, making the playoffs. I don't think they will because the Trailblazers are healthy. And they're just a lot more experienced. But I don't need them to make the playoffs or even make the play-in. If they're just the 10th seed, but they keep playing so well, that is a super successful bubble for them. And yeah. Uh, moving on to the worst team in the entire Western Conference, a team that I actually thought could have had a chance to make the playoffs because they were one of the hottest teams before the break happened, uh, the Kings. I really like what I've seen from De'Aaron Fox. He's been super aggressive, getting to the basket, scoring pretty well. But they need to figure out what's going on with uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald. I've said this before, but they need to make a decision. Buddy Heald... Uh, hasn't been hitting his shots, and when Buddy Heald isn't hitting his shots, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't play make, he doesn't play defense, he doesn't rebound, he just doesn't do anything when he's not hitting his shots. And uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is a free agent, so they need to make a decision on that. They need to decide if they're going to sign him long-term, and if they do sign him long-term, Buddy Heald has to go, because even though I think he is a nice bench piece for them, especially just being a guy who can just come in and shoot. He doesn't do anything else, and that contract is a bit overpaid for a guy who can literally only shoot, and when he isn't hitting his shots, he's a huge negative. Uh, I really like what I've seen from Harry Giles. I like Harry Giles a ton. I want to see him get a lot more opportunity, and so hopefully that does happen next year. They do have a bit of a clogged front court with Rashawn Holmes, who had a really good season this year. And Marvin Bagley, even though he never stays healthy. And that is the worry about Harry Giles. Harry Giles was the number one prospect in that draft class with uh, Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell, Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz. Before all the injuries in high school, he was undoubtedly the number one prospect. He was amazing in high school. And 
he was limited due to the injuries, and then they've played him in such a small role. But I really want to see him get some more opportunity because whenever whenever he does play, I just feel like he's a good player. He's a good scorer. But the team overall just looks sluggish. They look they don't look good. Luke Walton just isn't good at his job. They should have never fired Dave Dave Yeager. I know they had some uh, issues in the front office with him, but Dave Yeager is such a better coach than Luke Walton. Luke Walton is just not is just simply not a, a head coach in the NBA. So, I've been really disappointed by the Kings. I expected them to look way better, but De'Aaron Fox and Harry Giles and Bogdan have looked good, and that's about it for them, to be honest. Because they just have so many players who are just kind of kind of there. Like Harrison Barnes is a solid basketball player, but especially for the contract he's been he's being paid, it's like come on, you can't pay Harrison Barnes like twenty million dollars a year. To just be kind of there a lot of the times. Uh, yeah, I've been disappointed with the Kings. Hopefully they are better. Uh, moving on to the uh, scouting reports. First, starting off with Tyrese Maxey. He's a 19-year-old, 6'3", 198-pound uh, guard who played for Kentucky last season. He averaged 14 points, 4.3 rebounds, uh, and 3.2 assists on 42.7% from the field. Uh, 29.2% from three, and 83.3% from the three-throw line. Uh, his strengths are that he has pretty good shot mechanics. He's a good three-free-throw uh, shooter, which uh, shows that he has potential as a shooter. I really like his mid-range game. He gets to that uh, mid-range spot a lot, and he hits them at a pretty good rate. Uh, his floater game is very good. Uh, he shows pretty good effort on defense. He... Uh, he's good at moving off the ball. I like his creativity and his craftiness while finishing around the basket. And when he gets hot, he can score in bunches. And overall, he's just a, a solid scorer who has a knack for uh, scoring. The weaknesses I have, he plays like a shooting guard, but he's more the size of a point guard. He can have a tendency to take bad shots sometimes. His size limits his ability as a defender, even though he does show some effort on that side. He can be too out of control on offense sometimes. And then sometimes he can be a little bit uh, undisciplined and on defense trying, being too aggressive in a passing lane and getting beat. His first step isn't great, and his ball handling could definitely use some work, especially if he's going to be a full-time point guard, which I do not know if he will be. I heard him as a top 15 to uh, 20 prospect. My comparison on where he fits best, I have the magic, just because they need some immediate offense and scoring. And he has some good size around him that could maybe allow him to be a smaller shooting guard with guys like Markel Fultz having pretty good size for a point guard. And my comparison, I have Colin Sexton and Lou Williams. Uh, Lou Williams, because he's a, a small two guard who can get very hot at times. He's a very good mid-range shot. And then Colin Sexton, they're kind of in the same mold where they're uh, a small uh, player, but they play like a shooting guard where neither of them are very good passers. And they're both guys who are looking to score when they're out there. And they do show some decent effort on defense, but aren't great defenders. Uh, moving on to one of the better prospects in the whole draft, we got Obi, Topman, Obi Toppin. He's a 22-year-old, 6'9", 220-pound power forward out of Dayton. He averaged 20 points, 7.5 rebounds, and 2.2 assists on 63.3% from the field, uh, 39 
uh, 39% from three and 70.2% from the line. My strengths are that he's super athletic, one of the most athletic p- players in the draft. He's gr- a great finisher. He's super good in the open court. He's an elite lob threat. Uh, his shooting has shown potential and is definitely rapidly improving. He can, uh, he has the versatility to work in the pick and roll and pick and pop, which will make him difficult to defend. He has a really good frame. His he's super efficient. His uh, strength. He's a very strong player, and he has a good motor. He just seems like a player who could make an immediate impact. He has that NBA ready body. He has that NBA. Uh, play style for the most part so i like obi top been a lot but he does have some weaknesses that do stand out and limit his potential and uh, limit him as a prospect he is one of the older prospects him being 22 does really hurt him even though he is a really good player being 22 as a draft prospect is an issue and it's going to make some teams hesitant to draft him he needs to improve his three point uh his free throw shooting he definitely has potential as a three-point shooter, and it's improved a ton, but he still needs to improve, continue to shoot more, continue to improve that volume. Uh, his lateral quickness isn't great, and he can sometimes look kind of sluggish and slow. A lot of people have said he has kind of heavy feet, and I agree, where it'll make him sometimes struggle to guard quicker players on the perimeter. Uh, and then overall his defensive effort is kind of lackluster and even though he can have highlight plays where he gets super high up with that athleticism to make a block he isn't a very consistent defender his handle is pretty average for his position and his shot creation ability isn't very good i rate him as a top five to ten prospect and the place i have him fitting best is minnesota because they have a big hole at that four spot He'd be great in the pick and uh, roll or pop with D'Angelo Russell because D'Angelo Russell is one of the better pick and roll players in the league. And he can operate down low uh, while Carl Anthony Towns is stretching the floor. The only uh, issue is that defense does scare me a lot with D'Angelo Russell, Obi Toppin, Obi Toppin, and Cat. But that offense at the same time would be unstoppable. My comparison for him is John Collins. I think this comparison even though it's not like a unique one, I'm not breaking uh, anybody's mind by saying John Collins. I've seen that a ton of other places, but I just think it fits so well with their frame, with their three-point shooting, with their ability in the pick and roll, with them as a lob threat. They're both improving shooters. They're both super athletic. So I really like that comparison a lot. It fits him very well. Uh, now moving on to Thilo Melodon. He He's 19-year-old. Uh, 19-year-old, six foot four, 175-pound point guard who played. He played in multiple leagues in Europe. He averaged uh, 7.2 points, 1.9 rebounds, and 2.7 assists on 42.1% from the field, 33.3% from three, and 77.6% from the line. Uh, his strengths are that he shows good effort defensively. He has solid shot mechanics. He's played uh, against high-level lo- competition for a long time. He is a good frame, he has a good feel for the game, he is a solid facilitator, and he's pretty good in the pick and roll. The weaknesses are that he's not uh, hes not very athletic, his athleticism is pretty average. His footwork can sometimes be sloppy and put him in some pretty bad positions and get him blown by on defense. Uh, his jump shot is pretty inconsistent, he definitely needs to improve his shooting ability. His handle needs to get better as a point guard. Sometimes he can be a little bit too passive on offense and kind of just be there. 
and he definitely needs to put on strength and muscle, grow into an NBA body, and being only 6'4 and 175 pounds is a little scary. Uh, I'm as a top 20 to 25 prospect, and I'm fitting best at with the Jazz because they could use a backup point guard, and he'd be a good fit next to Donovan Mitchell, and he'd work in well in the pick and roll with Rudy Gobert. My comparison is Thomas Sadoransky and George Hill, both just solid point guards. George Hill has kind of been an average starter to really good backup his entire career. I have Thomas Sadoransky because they have that size, that kind of all-around game. So that's uh, Theo Melodon. I think I'm saying that right. I have uh, Next, we got Vernon Carey Jr. He's a 19-year-old, 6'10", 270-pound center who played for Duke. He averaged 17.8 points, 8.8 rebounds, and one assist on 57.7% from the field, 38.1% from three, and uh, 67% from the line. My strengths are that he is very good size. He's a good rebounder. He's a good post scorer. He's a pretty good interior defender. He has solid speed for his uh, size and weight. He's a very strong player. Uh, he's shown some solid ball handling for a center. He's has a stretch big potential, and he's uh, pretty good at getting to the free throw line. My weaknesses are that he's a pretty poor free throw shooter. He needs to continue to expand his range, continue to shoot, shoot more from the outside. He struggles to defend in space a lot. He, uh, his pick-and-roll defense is pretty poor. There has been concerns about his weight, uh, him being overweight, him struggling with his stamina, and he also can turn the ball over a lot, and his game doesn't really fit the modern NBA very well. I have him rated as a top 25 to 35 prospect, and I have him fitting best with the Kings. They could use a backup center, and he would have a pretty small uh, role as he develops more of a modern game. Uh, I'm also fitting well with the Hornets because they need some more front court scoring. They need more big men. Uh, Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo should both be on expiring contracts soon. And my comparison would be uh, DeMontis Sabonis without the playmaking or Ennis Cantor with potential to stretch the floor a little bit. Vernon Carey is an interesting player. I don't really know what to think about him just because of that issue with defending in space is a real thing. And I just don't know how how well he'll do in the modern NBA. Uh, next, we got Jalen Smith. He's a 20-year-old, 6'10", 225-pound power forward. He played for Maryland. He averaged 15.5 points, 10.5 rebounds, and .8 assists on 53.8% from, from the field, 36.8% from three, and 75% from the line. My strengths are that he has a, a great frame. He's pretty good shot me uh, mechanics. He's a great rim protector. He's a great rebounder. He's a very good athlete. He's a solid finisher. He's good in the pick and roll. He's has a pretty good ball handling ability for a big man. He's an above average shooter for a big. And he's just overall a very smart player. A player who I think will impact winning for a long time in his career. Um, my weaknesses is he needs to put on weight. He's 6'10 and only 225. So he definitely needs to put on weight. His three-point shot needs to continue to uh, needs to continue to have work, and he could definitely improve. Even though it's solid right now, his post game could use some work. He really hasn't shown much signs as a playmaker, which I don't like. I love playmakers, and I think it helps a lot with winning basketball. So he needs to improve that. He doesn't need to be a great playmaker, but 
definitely needs to show some more signs. Uh, his, perim- his perimeter defense could use some work. He he can struggle when he's forced to switch. So if he plays a team like the Rockets, he may struggle a lot. And it's, in my opinion, his ceiling just isn't super high because he doesn't really have a great uh, shot-creating ability for himself. But I still have him as a top 15 to 25 prospect. Uh, another um, place where he could fit very well is the Timberwolves. Like I said before, they have a huge hole at the four. And... He fits well next to Cat because he's a good enough shooter, and then he's a very good defender, and Cat does struggle with defense a lot. My comparisons would be Jeremy Grant, Jonathan Isaac, and Robert Covington. They all kind of fit the same mold of a big forward, good defender, solid enough shooter, and a good rebounder. So I like him. Uh, I really like the fit with the Timberwolves, especially if they uh, keep that Nets pick. I think he should be available around there, and I think it would be a great pick for them if they could get him around this 15-16 to 16 range. Moving on to the last scouting report of the day, we got uh, Josh Green. He's a 19-year-old, 6'6", 200-pound guard out of Arizona. He averaged 12 points, 4.6 rebounds, and 2.6 assists on 42.4% uh, from the field, 36.1% from three, and 78% from the line. My strengths are... That he has a good frame, he's uh, good strength, good versatility, he's very athletic, he's crafty around the basket, he's good at getting steals, I really like his ability of moving off the ball, he's a good mid-range shooter, his three-point shot is uh, developing and is looking better, he is a pretty high IQ player and while he's not a great uh, playmaker, he makes the right pass and he's definitely a solid enough playmaker for a shooting guard. My weaknesses is that his jump shot definitely needs to be more consistent. He needs to be more assertive on offense. Sometimes he can just kind of roam around. So he needs to uh, definitely be more assertive, get the ball more, be more aggressive. Uh, his left hand needs to develop. His shot creation ability could improve for sure. His ball handling definitely needs work, and that has limited his shot creation so far. And sometimes his finishing can be a bit inconsistent and could use some improvement. I have him as a top 10 to 20 prospect, and I've been fitting best with the Mavericks because he'd be a very good player next to Luka. He could fit that Tim Hardaway Jr. role, depending on what he decides to do in free agency. I also have the Nuggets because Gary Harris has struggled on offense for a couple of years now, and he could be a very good replacement uh, for them. He'd be a good cutter and good at moving off the ball. He'd be very good next to Jokic, and I think think he could be like Gary Harris when he was good on offense when he was like a 16 to 17 point per game score and that's actually one of my comparisons so I'm compared to Gary Harris when he was good on offense and the Norman Powell so I like Josh Green a lot I think he'll be very good and that he'd be a perfect pick for the Mavericks or Nuggets and I'd definitely trade up for him so thank you guys for listening keep showing support keep downloading keep sharing and peace